Hi, everyone. I'm Dan Duva, radio play-by-play broadcaster for the Golden Knights. Welcome to the official Vegas Golden Knights podcast. Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave, presented by the D Hotel. Hashtag SLGND. We kick off this episode talking all things Marc-Andre Fleury. The goaltender's return to the Vegas net after missing 25 games, his old club Pittsburgh coming to town, and how his Golden Knights teammates are responding. Also, our featured guest is former NHL defenseman Mike Commodore, a Stanley Cup winner with Carolina in 2006. He's got some great stories to share. Plus, we unveil a new segment, The Mailbag, answering your questions submitted via Twitter. We've got the quiz, Razor Fold, three stars, and a look at upcoming opponents as a five-game homestand begins. It's hashtag SLGND. Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave. Presented by the D Hotel. And now, here's Dave. All right, Dan Duva, thanks very much. The Sheriff, Lawless, and some guy named Dave podcast. Hashtag SLGND. Presented by our friends at the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. Coming to you from our studios in Vegas, the Vegas Golden Knights, and a lengthy homestand here for the holiday season. But first off, of course, uh, we had uh, Derek Stevens, Darren Banks, our friends from the D Hotel and Studio last week. Derek Stevens was on the ice last night, helped present a check for $100,000 to uh, help promote youth hockey here. Uh, in Vegas, you were down at ice level between yeah. the benches last night. What did you see from Derek Stevens? Well, of course, him and Darren Banks were on the ice, and then I saw them. And, and Banksy's hard to miss, right? So they're right behind, <laughs> right behind the Carolina net for uh, you know the first period, and uh, I was watching them and whatever. But my favorite part was, I think it might have been in the third period. Derek is not only not only is he you know, give back huge and big supporter of this Golden Knight. He is a massive fan, and it showed no better than last night. I saw him get up. He's banging the glass. I see him taunting Cam Ward. He's yelling at him, and he has Dana White beside him, who's absolutely, his face is red. He's just howling at Derek. Who probably, I don't think Dana's seen this, but, you know, he's a true fan, and it's it's great to see that emotion in a game, and it pretty much embodies what that whole crowd is about. Well, he looked like a fan when he stepped out onto the ice. His oh, yeah. hat was I'm on back. backwards. The Jersey and uh, uh, donated a check, one hundred thousand dollars for for minor hockey development here in Las Vegas. So uh, he is he came on our show and really talked a lot about you know what he thought what the Detroit Red Wings did in Detroit and what he was hoping the Las the Vegas Golden Knights could do in Las Vegas. And that's that's not just a gesture. That's not just talk. That's a hundred grand to to help kickstart. uh, minor hockey, grassroots hockey in Vegas. Great gesture, and uh, um, you know we're, we're real pleased that he's our partner. Yeah, great to have the G Hotel on board. Great that they would uh, they would take some of their time and sit in here with us last week. And uh, time they'll never get back. That time's gone now. But great to have the G Hotel on board. Dave Gosher, Shane Knighty, Gary Lawless, Dan Duva, all present and accounted for. For the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. So the Vegas Golden Knights, as we said, a lengthy five-game homestand here around the holiday season. And um, just recently, the return of Marc-Andre Fleury between the pipes for the Golden Knights. uh, Coming off a shootout loss most recently. But somebody, guys, that, you know, it's amazing. We kind of touched on it a little bit last night, Sheriff, where you looked at the Golden Knights' numbers without him in the lineup. 25 games over two months. They go 16-8-1 in those 25 games. I mean, if you told anybody that before the season, you're going to be without your number one goalie for two months, 
I think they would have thought your ship might be taking on serious water, but far from that, they've been able to continue to climb towards the top of the conference, but great to have him back there last night. Oh, fantastic to have him back in the lineup on different levels, and not only have him back in, but <laughs> comes in and he's impactful in the game. Right. Like, he, he was the one who held them in there. They weren't very good in the first period. Uh, you know, there's parts of it they got moving, but they didn't seem to really find their rhythm or their pace all night long. And I think Marc-Andre Fleury was the constant in the game. So uh, you talk about this team and how important their start was to the season, going 8-1 and one to start. Uh, and, and that's the big thing about getting out of the gate. There's a stat. Like, since then, there's... It's been good, and, and as you mentioned, they've had a lot of goalies and they've held water here. Since that 8-1 and start, they've gone 11-8-1, and which is okay, but it's not like the 8-1. It just shows how important it is to come out of the gates the right way. He was there to start, and then it carried on with a lot of help from those other three in Dansk and, and Legacy and uh, Malcolm Subban. You mentioned Malcolm Subban, and I think that is, uh, you know, to me, one of the... Uh, the silver lining in all of this goalie, not controversy, but the injuries, is that they discovered what Malcolm Subban can be. And there is now, you know, he's going to, there's got to be an adjustment in the plan in terms of how much Marc-Andre Fleury is going to play and how much the backup is going to play because it's not Calvin Pickard. It is now a guy that you think you can develop and grow and maybe become a number one, the guy that takes over for Marc-Andre Fleury at some point in time. Now, listen, winning games absolutely is the key, but uh, I don't think Malcolm Subban can sit for eight games. You know, I think that there's going to have to be uh, a mix on how they how they work with those two guys going forward. Is there a better guy to have than Marc-Andre Fleury? <laughs> Look at the best example possible in Pittsburgh, Matt Murray who was pretty much in tears the last win to thank Marc-Andre Fleury when they knew it was all over last season when they won the Cup. Him as a mentor, and right now he's going to be the number one guy. Subban isn't at Matt Murray stage yet, but he might be, and there is no better model, in my opinion, than a guy like Marc-Andre Fleury. There's not a bad word said about him from anybody around the league. That's guys who haven't played with him, guys who have played with him, love him. Uh, He's just got a, a persona about him, an attitude uh, that is loved by all, and I think he is a great mentor for any young goalie. So I think it's a perfect situation. I remember being around the the Penguins right at the trade deadline last year, and because there was a lot of talk that they were going to Flurry might get traded at the deadline last year because they had Matt Murray. Now, thankfully for the Penguins, they didn't make that move because we know what happened with Murray and, and warmups in the first game of the playoffs. And I was asking some people around the team. I said. Uh, why? Because the, the deadline had passed earlier in the day, and I said, why didn't they move him? They said it would have been the equivalent of taking a grenade and throwing it in yeah. the middle of that locker room. That's how popular he was with that team, and it's something we touched on last night too, Shane, is how much here in Vegas they missed his personality in the <laughs> locker room. Like, you know, it's just it's an infectious, seems to have fun every day when he comes to the rink, and so to, to put that back into the mix after a two-month absence and, and to have him be – as much of an impact in, in that first game back was, was great to see last night. So hopefully as they move forward, and you're right, Gary, look, Subban comes in, he got hurt. Uh, Dance comes in, he got hurt. Legacy has played more than anybody. Yeah. And he's kind of the odd man out, and that's just the way it goes, yeah. and he'll go back to the AHL and I'm sure play well. But uh, four goalies in the first 10 games and five in the first 17 was unheard of. Before we close the book on Max Legacy, for now, no, I, I really think that you, you kind of have to mention him. This was big time. Um, this was a turning point in the season for the Golden Knights, and it could have gone completely south. He is thrown in there without a safety net. He's the fourth goalie on on the on the depth chart, 
And they, when he goes in, they have to rec- emergency recall Dylan Ferguson. And, you know, listen, Dylan's a great kid and, and probably has a bright future, but not ready to, to backstop an NHL team at this stage. So uh, legacy, I, I don't, you know, where the season goes, who knows. But every once in a while, you're going to have to look back over your shoulder and go, wow, without Max Legacy, this yeah. does not materialize. And I'm going to put this to all you guys. Do you think that made them a better team quicker because of that? Guys recognizing, hey, we've got, you know, fourth on the depth chart and net. We've got to step up. And the responsibility and the awareness to the defensive side of the puck became, you know, the number one concern. Whereas you guys have a guy like Flurry. Last thing, a good example, his first game back, they didn't play near no. as well as they have for the other guys. So I wonder if it kind of vaulted the team ahead in some of their play. Somewhere along the way, someone, whether it was Gerard Gallant or James Neal or Derek uh, England, somebody stood up in that room and said, this isn't an excuse. We can't use this as an excuse. This is a challenge. We've got to accept the challenge, and we've got to rise above it. And they did that. And when you do that, that forms that bond and gives you that confidence that you're talking about, Shane. I think uh, uh, a great example. I think it's also worth remembering, guys, that as much as we have seen the success of the backup goaltenders at the time, Marc-Andre Fleury was not only the number one, he was head and shoulders over Subban, who was a number two in the American League. He had a 962 NHL appearances and didn't complete either start. He had a 962 save percentage going into the Detroit game. He was... He was... Was he not the first star of the NHL the first week? Like he was, you know, he was fantastic at that point in time. And you had three unknowns yes. down the line. Yep, and so for, sure. for the group to come together at that point, and it was very much, I think Shane's right in terms of accelerating the bond. And we talked about how the shooting on October 1 helped the team come together. I think the mentality accelerated from there. Now, I, I really do think it's, it's worth noting, has the inverse now happened? In other words, Flurry's back. Can you take a deep breath well, and hopefully it's back a small on. sample right. size right, no, you're right. I'll, add, I'll add one more thing to it, more from a, 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 a hockey standpoint rather than the, uh, the, the intangible that, that Fleury might bring there. And that's how he plays in terms of playing the puck. He's very quick to go after the puck behind his net. A couple of times last night, he makes a save and then leaves the puck in play. The other three goalies were doing none of that. It was very conservative. Get the puck covered. Not a lot of play behind the net. And then when there was play behind the net, it wasn't very good. In other words, the defenseman, understanding the way Marc-Andre Fleury plays, Shea Theodore was not in any of the first three games that Fleury played. You know, there's going to have to be some familiarity there for the defenseman to figure out what Fleury does, it's it's all good stuff, but they're not used to it at this point. I wonder how many games it takes for them to sort of get on the same page. Well, to your point, Gary, and it's you know worth remembering down the road, they could have been absolutely screwed if Legacy wasn't able to play yeah, them as out well as it could have been, been over. done. Yeah. And instead, they've got 40 points in their first 30 games, um, as we sit here right now anyways, and they've got a couple of games in hand on the L.A. Kings. So, you know, the fact that they've been able to put points in the bank, it's so hard, I think, guys, and, you know, we've, we kind of well-documented where American Thanksgiving, but we see it every year. To make up points late in the season, the second half of the year is very difficult. Teams yeah. clamp down, so many three-point games. It happens, you know, the Flyers went on a great run a couple of years ago. Ottawa went on a stupid run a couple of years ago to, to get in a playoff spot in the East. But there's There's a stat out there. Uh, teams that uh, have 40 points at the 30-game 30, 30 mark make the playoffs at like a crazy 
high percentage rate. I think, uh, you know, it's 30 of the last 32 teams that got to this, got to this number made the postseason. So it's, uh, um, that's a, that's a well-documented stat. It's out there all over the place. So it's not, it's, it's, it's not as, you know, the American Thanksgiving one is, it's got a real nice ring to it because it's got that holiday attached to it. This is another one of those landmark, uh, statistics that indicates a team is going to have success. You know, it's funny. Um, and they haven't, knock on wood, right? They haven't gone, they, what's it, they've lost three in a row, has been their longest losing streak, right? Flyers, what did they lose, 10 in a row? Something like that. Kings lost seven out of eight before they went on a great run. So yeah. they've they've had the ability, you know, they've had, they had that one win in six games on that long road trip earlier in the year, but they haven't, at least so far, gone on any of these long tailspins, which can really can really kick you in the backside if you're if you're a team, and it can be tough to come back from it. Yeah, well, you know, I think, and Shane can uh, can speak to this. It sounds like there's a real accountability in the room when when they're not playing the right way. They talk about it right away amongst themselves, and and they adjust it and fix it, and that's the best way to avoid a slump, isn't it? Oh, absolutely, not a lot of happy people there last night, and they nope. still got a point out of it, but they know it wasn't their best. So, uh, and, and that's but the, last night's the scary game. That's the first game back at home after a road trip. There's always concern. You talk to coaches, uh, and Gerard Glant, you know, pushes it aside, which is what he should do. That's his focus. Another game, but there is there's a there's an accountability right from day one in that room. There's there, there's a respect to the guy next to you that you need to be at your best. And if you aren't, I think there's there's enough guys willing to point it out. Part of doing this job is you you're a dime store sports psychologist, and if you said, well, how can an expansion team have a trap game? You know, you're an expansion team. You're you're everybody is supposed to be better than you, so you should never be overconfident. Well, the fact that if that was the case last night, that they kind of you know didn't have the focus that you need to have and didn't have that hunger that they needed, you need to have, suggests that they truly have shed this any semblance of a thought that they're an expansion team and they are a confident team, and that that does make them, in a weird way, susceptible to being you know it's it's the good side of the sword is. Hey, they're confident, and you need that confidence to win games. The bad side of it is, is when you become a confident group, sometimes you can get caught with your pants down. Well, and it's one of those games too, Gary. That that was true. That was nickel store. Yeah, psychology. Nickel, not, not dime, dime store. Penny, I'm not. Penny, I'm not that high bar. <laughs> I, I already wrote down the quote. You're ready for dime store, dime. Gary. But it is one of those games, right? It's Carolina Tuesday night, yeah. non-conference game. They had just come off two huge wins in Nashville and Dallas, and. Pittsburgh waiting in the wings. Well, so let's talk about so that. So let's get into that with Fleury and yeah. the Penguins coming up in the next game. I spoke to Derek Anglin after the game, who played in Pittsburgh as well. But clearly this this game is, Derek may be a subplot. Marc-Andre Fleury is the, the big enchilada on this uh, on this storyline. And I asked him about it. I said, you know, how, how will you guys respond to this? And he just said, he goes, this is a really big game for Flower, and we're going to be ready for him. We're gonna. We need to support him, and we need to, you know, we need to make this night go well for him. So uh, uh, whether they win or not, you know, uh, obviously that's it's the NHL. It's uh, it's, it's Sidney Crosby and his crew, and uh, uh, there's no sympathy games in the NHL. Sidney Crosby and Chris Letang, as much as they love Mark Andre Fleury, they're gonna want to have that W on them. Well, absolutely. And you think of the Penguins and Crosby, you think Malkin, you think those those high draft picks. But before them came Marc-Andre Fleury, first overall in 03, when they started the rebuild after the Yager and the Lemieux era, uh, Tom Barrasso. 
So Marc-Andre Fleury is very significant in the Pittsburgh Penguins' history. Uh, you, you look at it, 691 games he played there, 375 wins. That's a lot of wins. There was a guy across from him last night who was probably might move on from the Carolina Hurricanes in Cam Ward, who was drafted the year before in the first round in 2 He got his 300th win just last night, and Fleury has 75 more. So uh, not only was he good there, he helped turn that franchise around, and then came Malk, and then came Crosby, then came the Cup in 9 and then two more. Um, he, he, he just he mean, means a lot, not only what he did on the ice, but off, as we talked about earlier. This is a game that, if I'm a teammate of Marc-Andre Fleury, I want to go out there, and, and as Gary said, this is a team that there's accountability, there's a respect. You want to you go out and give your best for your teammate, and especially a guy like Flurry in this situation. Those, Sounds like the opposite of a trap game to me. Yeah, well, I, if yeah, if you're not up for this, then it's, it's big trouble. I mean, <laughs> those 375 wins, the most ever for a goalie in the history yeah. of the Penguins. And, you know, it's funny, when, when he was picked in the expansion draft, obviously, uh, last June here, it was Sidney Crosby said he did not have enough good things to say about how well Flurry handled the situation in Pittsburgh the last two years. Is that... So if you're flurrying everything that Shane just documented, first overall pick, you're a big part, of, along with Crosby, Malkin, and all the other guys, of bringing this team back. They win the Cup in 09. He's the guy, save on Lidstrom with one second left to win it in the, in the game yeah, that's right. seven of the final, I think it was. But things change. Now you get into 16, he's struggling, 17, he's, you know, and here comes Matt Murray out of nowhere. And but they don't win last year if Flurry isn't as good as he is the first two rounds. So I think that's part of it too. That you know the ability for him to handle what was a very could not have been an easy situation. Could not have been the last two years. He's been great with it. He told me on Tuesday that uh, on the, he was scheduled to play on the day of the trade deadline, and he hadn't been sleeping for a couple of days. He was you know trying to block it out, but it was you know it was wearing on him. So he's you know. The, the deadline is about is about to pass, and he needs to go to sleep to have his pregame nap. So he picks up the phone, and he calls Jim Rutherford and says, can I have my nap? Yes, go ahead and have your nap. You're playing tonight, you know? And that yeah. he said he forgot about it then, and, and and but he did know his time was up. He said you know, they were going to sign Matt Murray. He knew that, and it was, uh, you know, my time in Pittsburgh was up, so I decided to enjoy it. I decided to make sure I, I got to spend time with all of all of my friends and all of those relationships and tried to win as many games. And he said, you know, the opportunity to play in the Stanley Cup final and go on that run was for him, uh, you know, it was, uh, it was the cherry on top. Now, interestingly enough, uh, I was at the expansion draft and he, you know, he had a look in his eyes that night. It was a mixture of, Shock, heartbreak, excitement, you know, it was, uh, uh, you know, um, confusion. He didn't know where he was, is, you know what I mean? His home, 13 seasons in Pittsburgh, that was over now, and it was about to start something new. And, and uh, you know, in the back of his head, he's, where are we going to live? Where's my wife going to do yoga? Where is my where are my kids going to go to school? Where are we going to buy the milk? All of these things going on around in his in his head. And then he walks out onto the stage and they start chanting his name. And he said, I'll never forget that. And uh, he said, it's been brilliant. I have, uh, we've, we love the community. We love where we live. And I spoke to his wife at the toy drive last night and uh, she, she smiled and said, uh, 
I don't want to leave. So uh, uh, it's it's been a nice story for them. The homestand in a bigger picture now. So you've got uh, one game down, four to go as we sit here right now. Anyways, Pittsburgh coming in. Uh, and some of these other teams, too. You know, Florida's here Sunday. Then you've got Tampa, Washington. So you've got some – there's not a lot of easy t- – you know, Tampa Bay's been phenomenal all year long. Um, Best team in hockey. Though. Yeah, they've been great. Yeah. Uh, Washington's, you know, been right up there most of the season, too. you got two of the top teams in the East uh, coming in here. And then, you know, Florida with yes. some interesting subplots, right? With Gerard Gallant, Mike Kelly – Usually doesn't end well when you're let go. It certainly didn't end well for them. We've all seen the photos of them waiting for a car. Right, that's Carolina. what's still in my mind is just yes. the, the unprofessionalism, the <laughs> disregard good. that Florida had. And I know Florida's made some changes since yeah. then, rightfully so. Yeah. But the way it was handled was is crappy. Piss or, poor. I could use worse words. Yeah, I can. <laughs> I spoke to I spoke to a GM right after, and I wrote a column for it. I was working for TSN at the time, and he said, "He goes, look, you guys get fired." He goes, but we're all a family, right? You know what I mean? Like you played with this guy in junior or in the AHL or in the NHL or you were both scouts with this team or we're, we're, you're, you're all in it together. And you may come to a place where like Doug Armstrong fired Ken Hitchcock. They're yeah, best friends. Exactly. Well, you can bet your last dollar that Doug Armstrong wasn't leaving Ken Hitchcock at the end of a loading dock. You know, to call a cab. Gerard Gallant said some one of the funniest things to me this summer. We were going to see a fight, and I said, "Well, we'll get a taxi." He goes, "Oh no, I know, I know how to I know how to use Uber now." And, 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 he downloaded it that night, and he, right. and he winked at me. But so, like you know, like and it's really easy to do it the right way. They were going to Chicago the next day, and this general manager said to me, "You get a suite." Other than your own, in the in in the hotel in Chicago, you order a limo and you put it on standby. You get plane tickets from Chicago to Florida for for the guys. You get there when you when you check into the hotel, you send them a text. I need to see it tomorrow morning. This is the room number. Come down there at this time. The guy shows up. You say. We got to make a move. Yeah, there's the logistics. Here's, I've never heard and they don't understand it. that way. Here's, that's here's your plane ticket. There's a car waiting for you. I, I got to talk to Mike because he's going with you. You know, it's been great. Good luck. See you down the road. Yeah, I might even hug in that situation. Well, how many times have we also seen where a head coach is relieved of his duties but stays within the organization? You know, is a scout or, you know, Larry Robinson comes to mind with the Devils organization. He went to an assistant, to head, to his. I mean, it's these were relationships that you just outlined, Gary, that even if you don't remain the head coach, I mean, not too many head coaches remain with the same team for, I mean, 10 years now. I mean, yeah. is there a cap? I mean, it's shorter and shorter 10 years. So you, you get a head coaching job, and you know it's not going to last all that long, and you, you would hope to remain on good terms with the people who you're working with. Well, lots of things moving forward here with this team, and especially the next, uh, you know, through Christmas. But you've got Pittsburgh coming in. We talked about Flurry. Then you've got Florida coming in here Sunday with and Riley Smith, Jonathan Marcheseau, and along with Gerard Gallant and Mike Kelly as well. So uh, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, hashtag SLGND. 
And it is presented by our friends at the D Hotel, the official downtown hotel of the Vegas Golden Knights. But always a reminder for your friends that do not fight for a parking space when you come to a Golden Knights game. Purchase your parking in advance through the Park Mobile app, and you'll score a perfect spot at the preferred parking garages of the Vegas Golden Knights. Visit lasvegas.parkmobile.com to reserve your parking today. That's lasvegas.parkmobile.com to reserve your parking spot today. We should mention our guest of the day coming up a little bit later on the podcast. It's going to be Mike Commodore, played a long time in the NHL, so we'll visit with Mike uh, coming up here shortly. But before that, Dan Duva, are you ready for the quiz? Do you have your questions and everything formulated? Are you ready to go? The quiz is set to go. Okay. And we have some some open-ended questions, so I'm eager to hear how we respond. And we're going to start with Dave Gosher because uh, Dave... One last week's first star. Defending champion. So so we're going to start with you. And by the way, the first star standings currently reflect a three-way tie at two wins apiece. We can get into the details of that. There's significant debate about that, but we can talk about we'll it when, save that when you for, hand out the stars. For later, later on. Let's, yes. uh, let's yeah. go with right now what's happening around the National Hockey League. And we were talking about Marc-Andre Fleury and uh, the potential trade at the deadline last year. Well, it's not... Quite the deadline, but there's lots of talk about what's happening in Ottawa. Lots of troubles there. And will the Ottawa Senators trade Eric Carlson, Dave Gosher? No. I don't see how they do it. Well, first off, he's got a year left on his deal. And I know there's been a lot that's come out here recently. And he's going to want his money. Why wouldn't he want his money? Now, I think they've also had asked half the guys that have no trade clauses to potentially waive those. Now, is that to free up some money to make sure they're able to pay him? Um, Probably. I don't see how they move on from Eric Carlson. He's the, he's the best. You can make an argument if he's the best defenseman in the league. He's got to be in the top three. Um, I don't see. I don't foresee how they do that. And you explain it to your fan base. Now, this is a team, and it's hard to forget. Because it's hard to. It's you forget this now because of where they are. They're struggling. They were within a goal of going to the Stanley Cup final last year, and now it seems like it's all kind of coming apart at the seams. So I don't. I don't see how they move on from him, at least right now. He's got a year left on his deal. I don't know if he really wants to go anywhere. Um, so, no, I say he stays He stays put. They find a way. They find a way to make that work for him there. Gary? The genie is out of the bottle. Mm-hmm. And it's real hard to put the genie back in the bottle. I think I think he does get traded. And I. It, it, it does, to me, it's not even about Ottawa. It's about another GM out there who is looking at his team and thinking, if I can get that piece, if I give up three first-round draft picks, but I get that piece in return, I can win the Stanley Cup right now. This can take me over the top. So I'm willing to make that move. And then I've got a year and a half to try and re-sign him. But if if I make that run right now, it's it's that big gamble. If I make that run right now, I've got an opportunity to uh, to, to make the deal work. Somebody out there, I think, is going to put together a package that Pierre Dorian will have to go to Eugene Melnick and say, "This is what's on the table." And I think at that point in time, Eugene Mel- Melnick signs off on it. I, I think he might get traded too. I, I just think knowing Melnick. Uh, I agree. I, I don't know how they can move a guy like this, but I don't know if they can sign him. They've got a building. They've got a build. Uh, things aren't rosy in Ottawa, and I don't think Melnick's in a very good situation when it comes to cash, and, and that that's that's something you hear around, whether it's true or not, but I don't know how they can sign. And from what Carlson's last interview is, 
He's not going to take a home da- a hometown discount whatsoever. No shit. He is going to go for everything he can earn. And in today's world, the game is more. I think teams you need more than just one guy. And I know we're going to get into that, uh, so they can get a chance for a great return on this. I'm interested if Matt Duchesne's going to wave his. He, I thought he didn't want to be part of a rebuild. <laughs> Boy, how about that trade? Uh, I wonder how things are in Ottawa right now for Fire him. Beware. Didn't want to stick around in Colorado for a rebuild. He's going to go to a winner in Ottawa. They have nine uh, wins. Tough, uh, tough start. Nine wins so far for them. But uh, it'll be interesting to watch how this unfolds. I just think there's a lot of underlying things going on in Ottawa that I wonder how this Carlson situation will play out. What his asking is if they'd be even be able to get to it. I understand he's a he's a franchise player. He's such an elite defenseman in the league. And uh, and then I wonder about him. How long does he want to stick around? What's his willingness? I'm not so sure after his comments about how well, badly he wants to stay there. Who's the best man at his wedding? Daniel Alfredson. Yeah. What's the relationship between Daniel Alfredson and the Ottawa Centers? Well, let's see. I don't know if I can get into that. Yeah. I, I know I know exactly what it yeah. is. So that, that's they wanted I, Danny Alfredson to work for free. Yeah. It's he not, didn't want to. That's yeah. why he stepped down. So, yeah. uh, you know, you they're, they're, the genie's out of the bottle. Uh, I'm going to go back to that, and I don't know how they put it back in. Gary wins that round. Uh, I think that um, that the trade happens at some point. The only question I have is, is, is when. Uh, the, the value now versus getting closer to the deadline – Ottawa would be in last place if not for the dreadful Buffalo Sabres. They only got three points more than the Sabres. So we'll uh, we'll wait to see on that. Just a matter of uh, of where. that It's a long way down the line before Ottawa is going to be able to get that building up and running and then also get the, uh, the prospects that hopefully will draw a crowd. Okay, on to number two. And, Gary, you have the honors this time since you get the victory in quiz question number one. Golden Knights... No superstars. You've got some star power, but no superstars, right? Question is, can a team be successful with this model long-term? Long-term. Well, I think absolutely, and I think we're seeing the opposite of that. You're seeing in Chicago where you have a couple of superstars where you're throwing 20, 23, 20, 23 million at them. You're seeing what's happening in Edmonton where you have a couple of superstars that are high end. If you have a couple of guys that you have to put a disproportionate amount of your cap into those players, it makes it hard to build the rest of the team because Vegas is, everybody is, you know, uh, there's no one off the map. He's there's seven million under the cap. McPhee has flexibility to go and add, but they have depth. They can spend money all around the franchise, and they're not top heavy. And have to look at oh boy, when we put our bot our our bottom pair out there on the ice, we got to hold our breath. They don't have that situation. I love this model. Whether or not you can keep it together, that's the next question. They're doing it in Winnipeg. The highest paid player is Dustin Bufflin, but then you've got Wheeler, you've got Shifley, Ehlers, Little, all these guys in at around six, seven million, and there's no hierarchy in the dressing room. It's a team. I think it's a fantastic model. I wonder if McPhee can keep it together. Sheriff? Absolutely can win. And I don't know. I don't think it's a new model. You see teams do it around. What's a superstar? It's very rare. Yeah, there's your Connor McDavid's, your Steven Stamkos. But before these guys are superstars, Chicago, great example. Patrick Kane's a superstar, but when they won their first one, he wasn't. So it's hard to answer this in truth because eventually you do have a superstar in your team, but that develops through the draft. So can you win without? Absolutely. 
But once you win, then all of a sudden you got super. That's how superstars are born. I go back to Boston. He won there, but then Patrice Bergeron, was he a big name? Then he goes and he rattles off all these Selkies. Uh, you know, Zidane Chara, you know, Tim Thomas. What, how old was he when he became a superstar? 30 years old when they made the NHL. There And L.A., Kopitar didn't sign his big deal pretty much till after they won two cups. Um, so, yes, there's superstars on the teams, but they don't develop until you win. So the model's been around. You've got hockey is the ultimate team game. This isn't the NBA where you need just three guys. You need everybody on board. I think the big thing we, we've seen over the past years with winning teams is you need four lines. Uh, it used to be in model. You go back to early 2000, you get by with, you know, three three lines, even, you know, a good top six of scoring. Then your third line, you know, was your shutdown line. And the fourth line was that time if you needed to scrap, that's what they did. You go, you go back to the Anaheim team. They had that uh, Paulson line, Travis Moen and uh, Rob Niedermeyer. That was their third line shutdown. But you never heard about the fourth line. Then you had your top two scoring. So the, the model has changed over the years. So it's allowed you to work for the Vegas Golden Knights where you can have these guys, and it is the ultimate team game to me, and it's a matter of how you gel. You've got to bring the right pieces together. There's got to be chemistry. There's got to be a little bit of luck in there, and uh, the Golden Knights have been able to do it, and I think it's something that lasts, but eventually you do breed superstars from it, and it's how you handle it from then on. Yeah, and that's, you know, where, yeah, you can do it, but where does it go from there? Like, I just jotted all the cups since 2010. Pittsburgh, Chicago, L.A., and Boston have won all the cups, right? So, but those teams had, you know, what comes first? They had elite, you know, Kane and Taves, Doughty, Kopitar, Quick, Chara, Bergeron. You can go, you know, Malkin, Crosby. You can go right on down the line. You know, Crosby was, he's a generational type player. Malkin's a generational player. So, yeah, you can, you can do it. But I do think, though, so that's the thing here. Can these guys, can Carlson... Can Perron, you know, Perron and Neil, where are they going to fit in this down the road? Hmm. You know, you need, a, I, th- I do think you need elite guys. If you're going to, all these guys I just named, they're world-class players. So I think you can do it, but can these guys emerge? You know, can Carlson continue, you know, can he score 30 goals this year? Can these guys, can, can Riley Smith take another step in his development? Yeah. Um, we know Fleury's, you know, that's, we know his resume. Can Nate Schmidt become a guy that's a dominant top-tier defenseman? I think you can do it, but at some point you need you need guys that are really good elite players. I think if you're gonna, I think if you're gonna win it, in I'm my with opinion. you. And uh, and and Sheriff wins that round, but Dave makes some good points. Listen, there's going to be at some point a, a Golden Knights born superstar. Do we know that person's name yet? Probably no, not. not until you win. That's right. how they. Right. That's and how and you that's bring how, them right. right. And, and and superstars, as as you point out, really to me come from two places: the the hype coming in if they're drafted first overall, or those players who develop into superstars because they do win, they have success. But you look at going forward, general managers. If you have a first overall pick, you're going to have to sign that person, give that person a good chunk of change. Then it's being creative with the rest of your roster so that the bottom end of your roster is still productive and not an unusable fourth line like Shane mentioned. So we'll, we'll see. And I, I guess maybe just one quick time. thought on it too. The outlier of all this would be the Washington Capitals. Yeah. Ovechkin, Backstrom, Holtby, go right on down the line. They haven't won anything. They haven't got out of the second round. So, yeah, you can have world-class players. San Jose at least got to the final a couple of years ago. 
The Capitals have never, with all the talent they've had, President's Trophies, none of it has really mattered because they haven't been able to do anything in the playoffs. Hmm. All right, last question on the quiz, guys. Who won that one? I just said Sheriff. Oh, sorry, it. missed it. Yeah. Apologies. <laughs> My apologies. Somebody's not paying if attention. You pay attention here. I'm, getting, I'm thinking of getting ready for the next question. Well, it's a good, I apologize. It's for a good that. thing you didn't get the first star, else it would have taken away from you. <laughs> Ooh. <laughs> <laughs> Sheriff, here we go. Tough grader. Uh, I signed an incorrect scorecard. You can't call in anymore and uh, and report a guy. <laughs> That's on right. That. Okay. That's All right. right. So I'm fine. <laughs> <laughs> Sheriff, uh, best player in the National Hockey League right now, Connor McDavid. Six points over his last three games. Didn't have a point against that game against Toronto. But watch some of that game. And his just his ability is phenomenal. He got up and down the ice. And I, I can't, this is where my facts may be off. But something like eight seconds. Like, it's just unheard of. His ability to move around the ice. And he's he makes people around him better. I think outside of Dry Seidel, he really doesn't have anybody to play with. I think that's the problem in Edmonton. This is a guy that, you know, now he's... He's right there back in the scoring race. Had four points yesterday. Goal and three assists. Sits at 39 points in the league. He'll probably win the scoring race again. I know Kucherov and Stamkos are having fantastic years. But he's doing it on a, te- on a non-playoff team. We're talking about Tampa, who's in first place, the best team in the league. They're playing together. McDavid's doing it with what he has. Uh, you know, his career, 158 games played. He's got 187 points right now. Uh, he is just going to be... Phenomenal to me. He is the best player in the league, the best offensive player. His skating ability, his hands, his vision. He, I just don't think anyone compares to it right now. Uh, so that's my pick as uh, right now the best player in the league. I would, I go with, with Nikita Kucherov. Just I think he's the best player on the best team right now. Um, Twenty one goals, forty two points, both right at the top of the league. He's tied with with one of his teammates in Stamkos in terms of scoring. At least as we sit here right now, he's only gone five games all year without a point. You know, it's pretty, and he hasn't gone more than two in a row without showing up on the score sheet. So I know he's on a team that's uh, has been the best team in the league basically all year. And, but that's, you know, that's part of it sometimes. Um, so in terms of like just a consistent threat night after night, and I'm curious to see they come in here, not in the not too distant future. Um, I just think consistently most of this season, Kucherov's been terrific. Anze Kopitar, uh, the LA Kings have gone from a team that, uh, uh, you really didn't know what they were, and uh, all of a sudden they're among the best teams in the West. He is uh, fourth in the league in scoring. He plays power play. He plays ten- penalty kill. Of all the players we just talked about, he p- leads all of them in ice time at 21.59, plays 22 minutes a night, 26 shifts per night. And that, to me, is uh, you're seeing... He's pl- he's not selfish out there. He's not staying out there forever. Matter of fact, his shift revolution is really fast. Uh, just I love everything about what he does. He's a big player. He plays a heavy game. He can skate. He can score. And the LA Kings are a playoff contender and a, a contender in the Western Conference because of Andre Kopitar more than anyone else. Ready? I'll, I'm going to add to your argument. Last four games, which are all wins for the Kings, by the way, uh, he has multi-point games in each of them. A goal and an assist, two assists, a goal and two assists, a goal and an assist. But Gary does not win. <laughs> because he's the hottest player, not necessarily the best player. If you're the GM right now and you have one that player you can question. take, that is the, pl- the, the best player the in the NHL the right now. Right now. If you and want right the best now. player in the NHL. If I'm a GM and you got one pick, okay, you get the best player in the NHL right now. Who is every GM going to take? You tell me. Sidney Crosby. 
Oh. I doubt we, it. Uh, the question, and I will follow the best, sword. No, it's was the best poorly the worded NHL. because yeah. well, that, now who wrote it? Right, I wrote, I just said I'll <laughs> so follow the go. sword. <laughs> All right? I came up with this idea. It's right now. Is right now the season? Is it the last two oh, weeks? Now that's my fault. I did not. I did not differentiate that question that you just asked about w- which player would you take if you're a GM. That's on the quiz for next week. It's an excellent question. It's we just different. we just did it no, because it's, it's the best this. player in the it's NHL right now. This. It's different. Gosher wins because he said Kucherov. <laughs> oh, yeah, just because well, Where did he, where did he play? That's yeah, right, yeah, yeah. Syracuse. We haven't said the word. I'm going to say it. Syracuse. Okay. So I, I, Syracuse I, the I am lodging a problem. Dan went to Syracuse. Yeah. This is becoming he ridiculous. Has the most points. He's on the best team, and those are exactly. The, so and that the doesn't goals. make him the best. But he's playing with one of the best players in Steven Stamkos, and he's playing on the best team. So Look, he already said I won. Thank you, Dan. There's the quiz. He wouldn't even be in the. <laughs> he might be in the top five if you're a GM to take. Those 21 fathers upstairs here must think they're watching a, a backyard game of shootout right now. Here's Riley Smith down the middle. He scores. Smith wins it for Vegas. The shootout winner for Riley Smith. He scored the overtime winner two games ago, and now he wins it for the Golden Knights in the sixth round. Vegas defeats Nashville 4-3. to three. And speaking of Mike Commodore, he is our guest of the day here on Hashtag SLGND, the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, and he is brought to you by Rock Creek Cattle Company. It's a hidden gem located in the heart of Montana. This working cattle ranch sits on 28,000 acres of land and has a little something for everyone, including a world-class golf course, fly fishing, hunting, horseback riding, and lots more. Escape the bright lights and discover Big Sky Montana. Exclusive memberships and real estate opportunities are available now. Check it out at Rock Creek cattlecompany.com Mike Commodore joining us on the phone Mike thanks for uh, taking a few minutes uh, I'm not sure how you got roped into this but it's great to have you with us here on the podcast well Lawless got a hold of me but thanks for having me <laughs> <laughs> we apologize yeah well, our condolences to you What's uh, how's life these days what have you been up to since uh, since your playing days uh, well I mean it's been uh Three, three and a half years, I guess. I guess probably if you're going date wise, almost getting close to four. Uh, I have played up until about uh, September. I spent most of my time in Scottsdale. Um, I'd like to tell you I was like actually doing something, but really <laughs> all I was doing was playing a ton of golf, uh, which was awesome. It was a good time. I, I joined a place down there in Scottsdale and I was kind of in and out of there, splitting my time a little bit, but mostly down in uh, Scottsdale and pretty much golfing every day going on a bunch of golf trips, which was fun. Uh, but then lately, I figured uh, in September, I kind of sort of getting the itch to maybe find something to do. So I got a place up here in Calgary. My family, like my parents, my brother and stuff, are up here in, in Alberta. That's where I'm from. Uh, so I got a place here. So I've been staying up here, just kind of showing my face around a little bit and kind of looking for something to do. Uh, what that is, I have no idea, but I'm at least uh, – uh, I guess working on it, definitely thinking about it. Where'd you get your handicap down to? Uh, I got it down to a like a point two, wow. point three, something in there. <laughs> That's dedication, yeah. right? I played there. a lot of golf. Like like I said, fellas, I played a lot of golf. If you play enough, you get better. Usually, not always. <laughs> <laughs> not always. That's true too. You kind of. I took I took some lessons. <laughs> You kind of have had a fascinating approach to uh, 
to, to, to hockey and to life after hockey. I, you know, are you hockey's version of Bill Lee or Bill Walton? I don't know about that, but you do like to walk uh, a different path. And some of the things like, I, it fascinates me that you're a, a player who won a Stanley Cup, had a long career, um, uh, you know, was living in Scottsdale and playing golf, and then decided at night that you were going to be an Uber driver. That and and you did it for not like for a week or two. You did it for almost a year. Um, tell us about that experience and how how Mike Commodore went from you know sitting in front of his TV one night to the next night driving people around in his in his Escalade as an Uber driver. <laughs> sure. Yeah. Well, I mean, one thing when you don't really have a whole lot to do uh, and you can only golf so much. I mean, you have a lot of free time, Scottsdale especially. I mean, eight months a year, Scottsdale, I mean, is pretty tough to beat uh, weather-wise. Uh, I mean, it's not like Vegas, except Vegas in the summers is crazy with the pools and everything. But um, one of the things that can happen is you can start going out, maybe start having a few too many beers. <laughs> and for a while there, I'm like, you know what, I'm having a good time here. But, you know, Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, I mean, it's really all the same. And eight months a year there, there's something going on all the time. So. I'm single and everything, and so I would go out, and then after a while, I'm like, you know, I just, I'm tired of going out. Like, I mean, don't get me wrong, I, I enjoy going out, but, you know, I don't want to be going out on a Tuesday, or I don't care what's going on, but I don't want to be sitting around the house either. So I needed something that would get me out of the house, but keep me out of the bars. Uh, so I started, I was thinking about the Uber. I always use Uber. It's up here in Calgary now, but I always use Uber in Scottsdale. I can't remember the last time I got in the cab. So I'd ask the guys, like the drivers, like, you know, do they have a good time? Do you like it? And all of them are like, yeah, it's good, it's good, this and that. So I figured, after asking so many of them, I'm like, you know what, why not? I'm gonna sh- I mean, it takes like two minutes to sign up, just get a background check, take pictures of your registration, uh, get your card uh, inspected, it costs like 20 bucks, and then you're off to the races. So, yeah, I started doing it, like, for that reason. It was just I needed something to do that, that got me out of the house. That's the best way to put it. It got me out of the house. Kept me out of the bars. I'm not, you obviously can't have anything to drink because I don't want to go to jail. Uh, so it was good. I mean, it was, it was a pretty good experience. I did have like, I mean, there were some funny moments. Like I ended up, uh, you know, I was a little bit nervous my first night. I've never really driven anybody around before, but it is really interesting. Like you meet, you don't know who's getting in your car. I mean, really, I mean, it's, I mean, it's, it's safe, but you don't know who's getting in there. And, uh, you know, I'd have everything. I mean, part of the, side story was, I mean, I was hoping to maybe meet the odd girl or two. I was going to say, yeah, there we go. Yeah. Now the truth is. Nice. Yeah. I'm, I'm trying to be honest with you guys here. Uh, yeah, I was hoping to meet the odd female. That would have been nice. That didn't, like, really happen, happen. My best opportunities were my first night of driving. I probably did, like, 20 rides or something. Um, but I was, like, pretty nervous. I didn't want to, like, just creep the girls out when they get into my car. <laughs> but so I didn't rating. really say much. Yeah, yeah, I need to get my rating up there first. But I know I had some like funny rides. Like I ended up picking up. Like I, I played with Doug Waite, or when we won the cup, we traded for him at the deadline, and I ended up <laughs> picking up like it was like six uh, out of my car was packed. I want to say there was like six like teenage girls, and the one in the front seat ended up being like Doug Waite's niece. So that was kind of funny because <laughs> she was taking pictures. She didn't believe me at first. Uh, and I ended up picking up some people from Columbus once that were. I played in Columbus for almost three years and, uh, you know, just, just, I mean, I never brought it up or anything, but it just kind of BS or whatever. And they said they were from Columbus. I said, I used to play there and they're like, Oh, for who? And I'm like, well, the blue jackets, 
And I could see them in the back seat, like looking at each other, like, yeah, right. Who is this idiot? <laughs> the hell's this guy doing uh, driving an Uber for? <laughs> yeah, like this guy. What did what this guy just say? Play for the Blue Jackets? But anyways, it ended up being pretty funny. But it was a good time. My last time driving, I haven't done it in a while. Uh, I drove, uh, it was like, it was Halloween. And it was my, I would never drive like, um, like after the, I wasn't doing like the graveyard shift. I had no, like, I had no desire to like be kind of rolling around the bars at two in the morning and end up with four guys in my car that are wasted. And then it's, I mean, I'm trying my best not to get into a fist fight with these guys. I, I did it like happy hour, kind of like whatever, like six to 10 or something like that. Uh, but I made the mistake of driving on Halloween. And that was the last time I drove. So how did you start start getting into this? And I'm waiting for us to get all the apparel, but uh, hashtag get in one as we see a lot on, on Twitter. I, I certainly know what it means, or at least I think I do. And uh, one of my yeah. favorite things, I just want to give a quick story because I want to hear if you have one. Uh, obviously playing, I remember playing in Atlanta. We went on a losing streak, and it was a little old school probably back in you know the mid-2000s. And Scott Mellenby was our captain. I remember we we pulled up. We were in New York. We lost five in a row. We got spanked five one, and uh, we we pull up to the hotel. And all I saw was Captain Mellenby went up to the front of the bus. He told the coach to get off. He turned around. He said, "You guys got five minutes to drop your stuff and get back on the bus." Sent the coach off the bus. Said that he said you got five minutes to get back on. Went to the meatpacking district, and uh, sure enough, we won the next game. Because I see you send a lot of that out, and there's some teams, you know, Ottawa Senators, that probably could get in one right now. But is that how it all started, or how did you come about uh, this theme? Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's partly like how it started. How like the kind of like phrase started. Those stories are awesome, by the way. Like those. I mean, you know, way better oh, than yeah. I do. I mean, I, I'm, I kind of watch the game from afar now. I'm not really involved in it, but like those days are done. Yep. They've been done for a little while. Like, there's no. I mean, I still have some, you know, some friends in the league and stuff. And it's like, I mean, you can just make an. Well, I think there's a bunch of things that go into it, but. Like now, it's. I mean, guys are guys. I think are scared to have beers now. It's all like protein <laughs> shakes and like they don't want it. Which I get. Like you get. I mean, it's your job. You got to take it serious. I understand that, but it's also a game. And part of doing well at a game is you're supposed to have fun and being loose and having a good time and and bonding with your teammates. But anyways, how I just went off on a tangent there. But how the in one thing kind of came around is I was on uh, uh, Ryan Whitney's podcast there with. Barstool Sports, Spit and Chicklets, or whatever. And I told a story about when I was in Russia. And, anyways, I, I got, ended up getting, through no fault of my own, I swear to God. I mean, I was having a few beers after the road trips over there were insane because I was in Vladivostok on the Pacific Ocean. The rest of the league was Moscow and further uh, west, which was at least a 10 hour flight. So I got back and, anyways, ended up having a bunch of beers at dinner. And I, I got in a fight in, the, in a restaurant. These two guys jumped me in Russia. Anyways, I said I was in one and just kind of went along with the story. And people kind of talked about it on Twitter. And I was like, oh, I'm like, this seems like it's kind of popular. <laughs> so I was kind of just watching it on Twitter a little bit. And I'd say it once in a while. And then uh, Sauce Hockey Call. I was thinking about doing a T-shirt. And then I actually, like, looked into, like, if I actually did a T-shirt myself. And I'm like, I don't know what I'm doing. I mean, I've never done this. And this seems like a lot of work, and I don't I have no clue what I'm doing. But Sauce Hockey Car messaged me on Twitter, and they're like, "Hey, they're like, you want to? Let's do a T-shirt. Let's try it out." I'm like, "Yeah, I'm all right. Let's let's give it a shot." And it's actually been uh, it's been pretty popular. But yeah, you're right. There are definitely. I mean, as far as stories for me, uh, I mean, there were some, a few good ones in the minors. Like I kind of just came sort of towards the end of that. We had a few good ones, like in Columbus. 
it, we, we did that once. I think, well, I forget where we were. It might have been Detroit. I mean, we were, it wasn't my, my first year there. We were pretty good. The second year, we weren't very good. Uh, and it wasn't, we just, well, I think we were getting spanked. And it was the same kind of thing. Like, it, it was a little bit more undercover than that. But everybody ended up going out in Detroit, I think it was. And we went to all kinds of places around there. And, and we ended up turning ourselves around and winning a couple games, for which was huge for us that year. But I think there is value to it, to be honest. Hey, Mike, you played a long time and, and obviously won a Stanley Cup with Carolina in 2006. And I, I remember I, I remember you in that, in that robe. The robe. The, the robe. robe. What, what the robe. became of the robe? How did it, how did it come about or well, where is it? A little bit of both. Yeah, both. 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 Both? Well, actually, the quickest answer is where is it? It's actually it's somewhere in like a dirty basement corner in the Hockey Hall of Fame. That's where it is right now. Um, <laughs> how it came about. Yeah, they kept it at the end. They're like, hey, do you mind if we have this? I'm like, okay, by all means, go ahead. That thing stinks, and it reeks like booze now because we ended up winning. That was the last time I had it on. So I'm like, hey, you guys go ahead. You can have it. Uh, so they have it somewhere. I'm sure it's not on display. But um, how that came about was just uh, we were in Carolina, and uh, there was like Christmas. I think every team does it, or most teams anyways. For Christmas, the team would get you a Christmas gift, so you get to pick off like a list, and there was like five or six things, um, anything from like uh, like a wine set to a barbecue set, just like little kind of little gifts or whatever, and you could pick whatever you want, and, and they would send it to you. You would get it later in the year. So I was looking at this list, and I'm like, well, that's just nice of them to do that, and I'm looking at it, and I'm like, well, I'm like, I'm single. I got no kids. I'm like, I, I never eat at home. I'm like, I'm always eating out. I, the only time I'm ever at home is to sleep or if I'm watching TV. And there was a bathrobe. So I'm like, bah. I'm like, I'm not going to use any of this other stuff. I'll, I'll check this bathrobe out. So I ordered the bathrobe. It ended up showing up. It took forever, but it showed up probably, uh, I don't know, middle of March, end of March, towards the end of the season. And we were, by that point, we knew we had a good hockey team. We were, you know, either first or second in the East. And we didn't lose very many games that year. And uh, so it came, and I put it on kind of like in the player's change area where you get out of your clothes and put your, like, long underwear on or whatever. And Glenn Wesley saw me put it on. He's like, he loved it. I mean, I didn't really think a whole lot of it. I was like, oh, this thing's pretty comfortable. But, you know, I thought I was going to maybe take it home or something like that. And Glenn was in there changing, and he loved it. He's like, Mike, you got to wear that around here. I'm like, really? He's like, yeah. He goes, we got to get your numbers stitched in that, and you're going to wear it around here. I'm like, (laughs) okay. I'm like, Glenn, you've played like 8,000 games in the NHL. I'll do whatever you want. Uh, so that's what we ended up doing. We, the, our equipment guy stitched the numbers in, and I kind of made a little entrance into the, into the room. And everybody laughed and loved it or whatever. So I just wore it before every game before I would, like, warm up. I'd get in. I'd change. I'd throw my robe on, go around, tape my stick. You know, I never was much for, like, uh, actually, like, warming up as far as, like, dynamic warm-ups. It was basically sit in my stall and have a coffee and stretch a little bit. I could do that in a row. Uh, and, yeah, people liked it. The TV saw it. And when you go on, like, runs like that, I was fortunate enough to be a part of two of them. But um, there's only so much you can talk about, right, from a media perspective. I mean, you see these guys every day. You know, yeah, there's the hockey part of it, but you're looking for something, right? To, yeah. We need something here. We need we need something to find to we something new, a different angle. I mean, it's two months, uh, so that was the, the the TV guy loved it. So they showed me. I don't know if they showed it all the time when I was wearing it or whatever, but quite a bit. And then they started people started wearing them to the games, and they were selling them. There was like life size cutouts <laughs> of me, like they were, I was doing like a photo shoot with it. I'm like, I'm like, I look. 
I mean, this is kind of funny. I do get that, but I'm far from a model. Um, <laughs> but it kind of took on a little bit of life of its own. And, it, it, I mean, it worked out great. We ended up winning. So, uh, Mike, we, we saw the Carolina Hurricanes last night. Justin Williams still playing. Uh, um, you, you, you must have some guys in the league that you still play with that you still like. Just a quick comment on that. And then what do you think of what's happening in Vegas? Sure. Uh, yeah, no, there are a few guys. I mean, I managed to keep in touch with, um, you know, as far as that I played with, I mean, obviously those are dwindling every year. I do keep in touch with, with Justin Williams. I mean, what a career that guy's had. I mean, I knew that guy was a good player, but I mean, he's been unbelievable. Um, and, and not without adversity either. I mean, he was kind of, I followed him pretty closely. Like, you know, he kind of got shipped out of Carolina a little bit cause he hurt his Achilles doing this dumbass beep test like a shuttle run for like training camp yeah like, i hated that no brains we're doing uh, yeah what a bad test that was and like we were running it back then we were it wasn't it was the year after i was there but when they were running it we were running it on like the concrete where the zamboni is like just no blew out his like he ruptured his achilles or whatever but anyways he's had a, uh, an unbelievable career the fact that he's not the captain in carolina makes me sick to my stomach but that's a whole nother story um, but yeah, it's been fun. You know, I, I do like, I mean, I enjoy watching the games more when there's somebody playing that I know or keep in touch with a little bit. To be honest, most of the guys like uh, that I keep in touch, not most, but half the guys that I keep in touch with now are, they're not really guys that I played with. Like, well, I've maybe played with a couple of them, but towards the end of my career, but guys that I've, you know, been fortunate enough to go on like golf trips and stuff. I think guys, when they go on golf trips in the summer, if they're looking for somebody, they know that I'm probably got nothing to do so i usually get the invite to come so i've met like a bunch of guys that way um a good example which would lead into the next thing would be james neal uh james and i keep in touch pretty tight um actually really tight to be honest and i never played with james but uh we have a mutual friend oh a few of them but you know jared bowl and steven stamkos and stuff but um so it's it's fun for me to watch those guys play uh and the knights i mean the knights are i mean mean, i'll be uh, obviously they're doing great They've been unbelievable. Everybody thought they were going to be terrible, and I'm not going to sit here and say I, I was asked about it at the beginning of the season, what I thought, and I was like, look, I'm like, I don't think they're going to be terrible. I go, this is a completely different, like, expansion draft than it was back in the 90s. I mean, look at their roster. They have good players. Now, did I think you guys were going to be in second in the division right now? No, I probably didn't think that, but I thought you guys were going to be pretty good and definitely, like, in the mix for a playoff spot or sniffing at it anyways. But it's been really fun to watch. I thought one of the, you know, just, I mean, unfortunately it was like that because of a tragedy, but, you know, that the home opener there for Vegas I thought was incredible. I mean, I watched that whole game, watched up here in Calgary. Um, I mean, what Derek Englund did, I know him a little bit. He's had a great career, too. I played with him back. I mean, if you would have told me that he was going to have the career he had, I I wouldn't have believed you. It's been really fun to watch him uh, grow. Um, but, yeah, the, the Knights have been great. They're fun to watch. They score goals. I think they're, what are they, fifth, fourth or fifth in the league in scoring? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it, it, it's been fun. And what they've done with, I mean, how many goalies have you guys used? Five. Five. Too many. Like Five. Yeah, a lot. Yeah, like that's, yeah, that's crazy. To, to have the record that you guys have with using five goalies, like that's, I mean, I guess if you were to say, if you, somebody would have told me you guys would be in second and Flurry was like lighting it up and, He's been on fire the whole year. I've been like, okay, yeah, I guess that's possible. But the fact that you've used five goalies in R where you're at is is very, very impressive. 
Well, I'll tell you one and thing. And he got a good coach. That yeah, Gallant's yeah. awesome. He's a good dude. Yeah, tell Florida that. Uh, anyway, <laughs> <laughs> who are here yeah, Sunday? Yeah, Anyways, true. well, you said all that, but I'll tell you this. You won't experience it until you come down here. And I've been around rinks and everything a long time. Nashville's close. But uh, I'll tell you what, the fans, the whole, everything that's outside the arena that leads into the experience, there is nothing like a commune. If you want to get in one, you should come down to one of these games. Yeah, I, you know what? You're totally right. I actually made a big mistake. I had a plan for this past weekend. I was going to come because I think George Strait was playing at yep. T-Mobile Arena Friday yeah. and Saturday. So I actually I, I met George um, I should call him Mr. Straight. We're not buddies, but <laughs> I met him at the golf course, called, golf course called Gauzer Ranch in the summer. And I'm like, this guy's the greatest guy ever. And I'm not a huge country guy, but obviously I know who he is. And he's got some great songs. So I'm like, I, should, I need to go watch this guy. So I had it all planned out. I had a room in Vegas and I was going to come in. I was going to watch either the Friday or Saturday show. I didn't care. And then I was going to come watch that Canes game last night. But I ended up bailing because I was just overseas for this military trip and I was exhausted. But I will... I am definitely going to catch a, a, a Knights game, Golden Knights game this year. It's well, got to be done. Yeah, we look and forward to having you, Mike. For yeah, sure. You would. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. It's a good place to do it. No question about it. Hey, yeah. Mike. We. Um, I don't think there's a better place in the world. We really appreciate your time very much, and uh, open invitation anytime. Come down to a game and uh, have a great Christmas. Thanks for stopping by with us today. Thanks a lot for having me, guys. I appreciate it. Merry Christmas. Thanks for oh, thanks, taking Mike. my call, Mike. We yeah. pre- I appreciate that. <laughs> You're one of the few. You're one of the few. <laughs> Mike Commodore joining us on the hashtag SLGND podcast, our guest of the day. Jamie Alexiak recovers in his own net, uh, in his own end, I should say. Marcheseau with a steal. Marcheseau finds Smith in front. He shoots and scores. Riley Smith, a Dallas giveaway in the defensive zone. Marcheseau steals it. Fiend Smith in front alone. Golden Knights back in the lead of 3-2. to two. Well, we thank Mike Commodore for joining us as our guest of the day here on the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast. And a reminder for you fans, hat trick ticket packages for select Golden Knights home games are available for the 2017-18 season. You can check them out at VegasGoldenKnights.com. The packages, which include a game ticket, a hot dog, and one bottled water or soda, start at $40 apiece, and they have no additional ticket fees. Fans will be able to customize their packs by purchasing up to eight tickets per package. Hat trick ticket packages. Check them out at VegasGoldenKnights.com. All right, time for Razor Fold. This week's Razor Fold, we'll start it out. We, we're touching on, uh, we are talking earlier, Sheriff, about Connor McDavid. He thinks he's the best player in the league right now. But uh, Raise or Fold, the Oilers been getting a little bit better lately, a little bit of uh, some signs of life. Raise or Fold, Sheriff, I want to start it with you. Do, uh, do they get themselves back into the playoff picture here in the West? I'm going to fold on it just because of the uh, statistics-wise. You look at there's seven seven points out behind San Jose in the Pacific. Uh, they're um, you know seven points behind Dallas for that second wild card, sitting at 28 points right now. They got 51 games left. They'd have to go to 647 winning percentage to get to maybe a 95 points, which might be that mark. Uh, that means they got to go 33, 17, and one. It's a pretty outstanding run to do, uh, especially when you're behind, and that's that, and that's also you know planning the other teams fold off, which it's not going to happen. I just, I think they put themselves, and this goes back to how you need to come out of the gate early in the season and play well. It's not impossible, but it's very unlikely. Seven of their eight, uh, I'm going to erase. They're going to get back into it. Seven of their next eight games 
are in the are in the division and just in December, and then they start January and they're in the division for the conference for quite a bit of a stretch then as well. They've got to make hay right now if they can go on a streak and it looks like McDavid is getting hot just at the right time. I think they get back in. I think they make a run. I think they might make a run, but I don't think it becomes realistic. I, I, I'm going to fold. I fold. I think that they're so talented that there will be bursts where you'll say, wow, if this team was in the playoff picture, they could go on a postseason run. They might even show us that much. But I think that, as Sheriff pointed out, too much ground to make up with too many teams in front of them. I fold on them, too. That's a lot of ground to make up. They've got uh, right now, so they're what, next to last in the West. Colorado, Vancouver, Anaheim, Calgary, Chicago, all ahead of Edmonton. And you can you can be screwed early if you come out of the gate slow, as you said, Sheriff. And they they came out of the gates real slow. You would not have known it if you saw them play the Golden Knights in that game in Edmonton, but that's kind of that's been really the outlier for them. They have really had a hard time developing any consistency this year. So I'll um, I'll fold on it as well. Christmas season. You guys have, well, two of the four of us in this room have kids. Razor fold on Elf on the Shelf. I raise big time. The Elf on the <laughs> Shelf in our house, its name is Alfie, and it has performed. It's uh, it's got uh, suction cups. One morning you wake up, it's in the it's on the glass door of the wine room. Uh, one day it's uh, it's face down in a pile of candy canes. Uh, another day it had a Hershey's Kiss open, half eaten with chocolate all over its face. It has been impressive. Big raise on Alfie, the elf on the shelf. can tell Gary's still got a young child. He's very excited. <laughs> I've had the elf on the shelf for 19 years. <laughs> it's on its fourth child. Uh, old Charlie has been around forever. So I raised big time, obviously. Yeah. And it's great to move it around. And the kids get excited. There's chocolate. Unless dad, mom's away for the night and dad's there. And well, how come Charlie didn't move? Well, he was tired. Dad forgot. <laughs> so there's been nights when Charlie just hasn't moved, when dad's been in charge. So that's, that's a mom thing in our house. Um, but the best part of Charlie that I loved when my kids were young was it's a great bribe. That's the eyes, (laughs) the eyes you better be. Hey, look at over there. Someone's watching someone. And he reports to Santa every night. And of course you got to watch the movie that goes along with it. And there's a book and there's everything, but uh, I think it's a great, I'm a big, big raise on, on the elf on the shelf. I think it's fantastic. Every household with children should have one. I I, I hate to be a Grinch, but I, I was never fortunate enough to have an elf on the shelf come no, visit my home growing up. I didn't so have one either. I, I would, None of us I, did. I, I, I just uh, have not come across the phenomena in my life. It was watching Christmas movies, Miracle on 34th well, it's still Street, there. It's just an White addition. Christmas, and uh, tasty cookies and stuff. That, that was, that was <laughs> it. So uh, I, I'm not against it. Uh, I, I just have yet to experience the magic, I suppose. But given the fact that Gary has brought it up on consecutive episodes of SLGND, I'm, I, uh, I will remain open-minded. So you're, so uh, are you abstaining? Like you're, raise, you're not raising or folding? Or are you folding? I, 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 oh, God. I, if I, if I would have fold, I would be a Grinch. So you I'll check. check. Yeah, you, check. You can't, can't fold. I'll raise it. I don't care. It's yeah. great. If the, kid, if the kids the kids are all... I, I wish it was... I would have been all in on that. Like, if I was a kid, if I, you know, back up the calendar a lot of years, and my parents had an elf on the shelf, you bet your butt I would have been... 
I mean, it would have taken me a bit to be on good behavior, but I would have been all in on that. I'll raise on the elf. I, I, I think we should give Dula the opportunity for a mulligan. You can hand in you a just... toy, an unwrapped gift toy <laughs> at the toy drive for uh, uh, the great foundation, uh, Casa Foundation that, that that we worked last night. We'll give you a mulligan, and you can you can change to a raise if you want right now. Uh, this is peer pressure. Oh yeah, or no, we continue to be the Grinch. I'm surprised that uh, Alfie that the elf has not showed up on the ledge here in the studio. Uh, all right, in the Christmas spirit, <laughs> I will I will, uh, I will raise on Elf on the Shelf. All right, a new, bailed a new yourself tradition. out. <laughs> We got to get Duval one. We got to get Duval one. We got to break into his place one night, move it around. Call it Bruce. Yeah, call it Bruce. Or bring it to your assigned workstation at the Golden Knights office. Or Syracuse, right there. Or Cuse. Cuse. Yeah. All right. Last one on Razor Fall. The Golden Knights' dads are two and zero. They were on the recent dad's <laughs> trip. So Razor fold on a repeat of that trip next year, or do they defer and the, the moms come along on a road trip next year? Lawman, you go. Why not? Oh, I'm gonna I'm gonna fold on the dads. It's the, the moms the moms play a big role here and uh, and no disrespect to the dads. They didn't have anything to do with the team going two and hole on the ice. That's so good. Uh, that's a good point. Uh, I'm folding what do you mean? on I'm folding on the pops and raising on the moms. Oh, I think they I stayed out of their that. hair at night. They didn't bother the boys because they were out on their own. <laughs> So the fathers kind of stayed away. They didn't bother the boy. Um, but yeah. ahead, moving dude. right along. <laughs> the dads, I don't know how much they impact the play on the ice, but, I mean, it's impossible to measure that person to person or team to team. But uh, they are 2-0, and uh, we had, uh, we've had some people come visit us in the studio who might not use the word um, superstition, but routine. So, uh, in, in that spirit, I'm going to go with the dads again. So, I'll... I'll uh I'll raise on the dads. Yeah, I'll fold. You got to get the moms involved here. Like, uh, I'm, come yeah. on, get the get the moms involved. I'm folding year. because my mom listens. <laughs> so, and she's still bitter that she never went on one. So uh, that's an easy one for me. That's a no brainer. Fold. Let the moms go. They didn't do mom strips back in your day, huh? No, just, just, I just uh, did one dads. I was the only dads, only huh? opportunity. Yeah. yeah. All right, moms next year. Moms next year. So that's uh that's raise or fold for this week. Now we have a new segment. Dan New Zula. segment. Well, we the mailbag. We would like to engage our listeners, and of course, we can only assume what they want to hear. So why not ask directly? So we have put out the request via Twitter that you could send us a tweet hashtag SLGND. Send us a tweet. Fire away with your questions, and uh, we'll try to answer at least a few because we have limited time. So we'll get to a few. First one I want to bring up, guys, and uh, this is from. At Tom Brader, 47042. The, uh, the outdoor game has become a big thing in the National Hockey League. And who and where would be a great team or place for the Knights to face in a stadium series game? That's from at Tom Brader, 47042. That's our first question. Who and where would be an opponent and location for the Golden Knights in a stadium series game? Gary? This is directed at me. Um, yeah, I would think that... Uh, uh, there's gonna they're building a new football stadium here, so I think that's the natural place to have it. Uh, or uh, you know there is talk of a new baseball stadium as well. That's probably a little farther down the road. So uh, one of those two places, and I think that the weather in uh, in December, January, February probably would would you know lend itself to having to, to it being fantastic. It's not. It's not going to be too warm. It's going to be. You know they can make good ice here in those circumstances. Who should the opponent be? Uh, I think that there is going to be a real good 
rivalry with the, the, the California teams, but I think the Kings is one that is really going to develop. I'd see the Golden, the, the Knights versus the Kings outdoor, outdoors in Vegas. You'd have all, the opportunity for all those people from LA to drive up and participate in it. It could be fantastic. Remember, once upon a time, the Kings played the Rangers in the parking lot behind Caesars. That yes. was 25 years ago. Almost. We could do a little better than that. Yeah. <laughs> Sheriff, what if, uh, we're going to turn to you for the next one, all right? Oh, boy. This is from at uh, Sci-Fi Extremist. He asks, what team are you most excited to see play here in Vegas? Or perhaps were you most excited to see? But what team are you most excited to see visit the Golden Knights? I think it's a team coming up, the Tampa Bay Lightning, just for the fact that they've been dominating this season. And they're they're an exciting team. they got so much talent uh you know, Stamkos, Kucherov, you know, and, and outside of that, they just got, they play with such speed. The thing I like about that team is a lot of it's developed through their organization. And I forget their name of their American affiliate. Um, <laughs> they but, not in uh, Vasilevsky right. is just great. I like their decry. I think Victor Hedman is just, you know, his ability. And, and John Cooper coaches an exciting brand of hockey. He really activates the D. Uh, and I think it's a, it's a great measuring stick for the Golden Knights. You, you want to play the best in the East. Uh, you're in this Western Conference. You don't see them much. And it's great to see those stars come through town. So for me, it's uh, the Tampa Bay Lightning, which we'll get to see very soon. There you go. All right. I would tend to agree with that one, by the way. It's the best team in the league. And then there's some personal reasons as well. Uh, of uh, course. Let's uh, turn to you, Dave, for our next mailbag question. And this comes from at I am Kenny P with underscores in there, too. Uh, at I am Kenny P asks, uh, do you think that the Golden Knights will shop James Neal and or David Perron? And he also asks, uh, what are your guys' New Year's resolutions? So the answer, <laughs> <laughs> well, the answer to the first would be no. Um, you know, but I will tell you, there's 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 a obviously a caveat to this. I before this, you know, 19 wins in the first 30 games, and yeah, I thought by because you didn't know how this was going to develop, and they if they were a team that wasn't going to make the playoffs, then yeah, you have to, you know, James Neal and David Perron have to be. I think you you would have had to have at least entertained a lot of offers because I think you'd get a pretty good return for those guys to say the least. But I think you have a hard time doing that. Let's say this trend continues, and look, there's going to be they've hit some bumps in the road, and there'll be more bumps to come in the future. But that being said. If they're a team that's going to continue basically on this pace and be a 95-point team, whatever their pace is, 100-point team, I don't know. You know, George McPhee's talked about this. They're in. They're in the win right now. And, you know, you've got a balance now in the future. But, yeah, if they if this continues, I don't see in, in good conscience how you can, how you can move those guys. Uh, resolutions? I don't know. Uh, get in better shape, drink less. I don't know if that's going to happen. <laughs> okay, these, do some realistic ones. <laughs> and, like See, one, just, and he looks at me one, right after he says No, it. I'm looking at it goes. <laughs> one offsets the other. That's the problem. Uh, you know uh, what I mean? Yeah. One's counterproductive to the other. I've been so. eating too much salad. I'm going to knock off the salad. Yeah. Oh, all right. That's yeah, your less greenery. Less, less, less green. salad. Sheriff? Less green. <laughs> I don't make them because they aren't going to come true. Because <laughs> a week into it, it's all gone. All yeah, right. well, first of the year, going to do this. And then... You know, do you I'm, make them? I, well, no, I, I typically don't. But this year, since uh, there's a fancy gym where I live, and I've not been to it as often as I'd You're like to, to be, introduce yourself I'm to the going gym. to become more familiar with the fancy equipment they've got in the fancy gym. Nice. So uh, that's that's on the docket now. Is it going to happen? On January 8th, it'll be all gone. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I, here, here's the thing, though. I'll feel better about it 
if I get jump-started before New Year's. Oh, so that's the thing. I like that. If I get rolling now, see, five-game homestand, we get rolling now, that'll get me out on a good run with some momentum on January 1st. Right, if, we'll I, check if I don't in run until the... January 1st, it's not going to happen. No, we'll check done. in with you tomorrow. All right. <laughs> well, yeah, yeah, yeah. You got today. We, we don't play Friday, so you got some time here. You got some yeah. kind of some days in between. That's the idea. Exactly. That's that's my hope. So I was right. looking ahead at this. Good. I did put some thought into it. So there's a there's the mailbag, guys. And for those listening, you can uh, send us your tweets. Just use hashtag SLGND, and we'll uh, solicit your your queries once again before our next episode. But send us a tweet. And use hashtag SLGND as part of our new mailbag segment. We'll try to get some more questions in, as many as we can. But we appreciate you reaching out to us. So time now for the final part of our podcast. And the first star of the podcast brought to you by the Foley Food and Wine Society. Bill and Carol Foley have created the Foley Food and Wine Society to celebrate the three greatest passions they have. World-class wines, exceptional cuisine, and outstanding destinations. And as a member of the society, you'll have access to their entire portfolio of properties around the globe. The Foley Food and Wine Society offers an exclusive opportunity to join like-minded individuals who seek to experience the finer things in life. And they look forward to hosting you during your next visit. So time for the fact check. Star of the broadcast, Dan Duva, what do you got today? The fact check was all good, guys. I thought that some of the arguments, especially during the quiz, were spirited, evidenced by each of you winning a round. I offer one critique to to each of us, including myself. How did none of us ask Mike Commodore about his red hair? And who's got the brighter throat. red hair, Cody Eakin mm-hmm. or Mike Commodore? I Cody Eakin. I think Cody's it's a little Cody shinier. Eakin. Yeah, uh, right. It's... Commodore's got thicker red hair, especially with that playoff beard yeah. uh, from 2006. I don't talk about hair. <laughs> well, you only had so much time, too, with Mike Commodore. Like, yeah, was, that's that's I just it. Yeah, that's there were, there were many but, other topics we might have delved into. Bad critique, Dan. <laughs> oh, wow. Critiquing the critiquer. Well, geez, I, I might have to reevaluate my three stars of the show now. Wow, how about that? But, no, I'm going to stick with my, uh, with my three stars that I had uh, come up with prior to Gary calling me out. I wanted to hear about the red hair from Mike Commodore. Uh, no, it, it was, first of all, in the quiz. Each guy won around. Uh, Gary, about the uh, Eric Carlson question. Then with Sheriff, the next question having to do with uh, the superstars. And then lastly, the best player in the league right now. Gosher won that one. So you're all very good with your arguments. But here is why the number one star of this episode is Gary Lawless. Oh, go ahead. <laughs> He, I thought he just. Sorry, I don't. After seeing what the stars are at, I don't even believe in it. It's like a participation award now. It doesn't even matter. It's <laughs> everybody, like everybody I'm wins. with 90 on that, except for on this one here. Please finish, Dan. Why did I win? Why Gary, was I the best Gary, player today? First of all, has the guts to call me out as I make a critique. But more importantly, <laughs> offers a mulligan to uh, yours truly, who was missing out on the Christmas spirit. Oh. And so once again, Gary has come in to save the day. And uh, not only because of his exceptional arguments, and he was very close. Remember, he almost got the argument about Kopitar, too. You were very close to winning that one as well. So you were very close in multiple areas, but you put it over the top thanks to your inspirational Christmas. Kopitar. He also said the Edmonton Oilers are going to come back because of Connor McDavid. Well, maybe they should have Kopitar be guaranteed. There you go. Good point. Make a trade. That's Thanks. what you should have said. They should trade. They should take trade, 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 trade for Kopitar. Supporting McDavid for Kopitar, and then the Oilers would be Listen. all set. Listen, you can't. You tell me Kopitar's not on fire right now. You said the best player in the NHL right, right now. He is right now at this point today. Well, then they, the Oilers should trade that. Then McDavid <laughs> for Kopitar. <laughs> We've got some quiz questions for next week. I think yeah. you do. Yeah. 
So is that it? So he's the he's the winner. Well, that's it. We're <laughs> leaving it all out. Uh, Participation. Yeah. yeah, why not? Wow, I think that maybe you just need to get your game together and try. Oh no, I'm, I'm, you're you're not even awarding them anymore. It's you know. The one, three of the first four, and then now it's down to two, and this and that. Yeah, I will say this. I don't even. We need. So this is. I'm out. I, I'm the kid at the back of the class. Uh, I know. I'm the former okay. athlete. Now, now we're, I'm now the guy at the back. You guys are all party. journalists, broadcasters. I get party. it. That's fine. You I'll, I'm good. This. You, you guys, you guys are the ones that leave the apple on Duva's desk. And good morning, teacher. I just told him he was full of horse patootie. I'm. It's all right. I get it. You I'm set out. the bar too high. You predicted you would set the bar too high, and you had. Great All show. Right. Yeah, thanks, Dan, I guess. That's great. <laughs> <laughs> thanks to my Commodore. Well, yeah. I would expect that more of you would be sucking up to me rather than taking shots at me if you wanted to get the three stars. All I'm, right, Dan. I'm, I'm surprised. We'll have dinner later on. I can turn we'll your microphone off if I want yeah. to. <laughs> <laughs> well, our thanks to Mike Commodore for joining us as our guest of the day. And as always, the D Hotel, our presenting sponsor yeah. of the Sheriff Lawless and Some Guy Named Dave podcast, hashtag SLGND. From our studios in Vegas, thanks for joining us. We'll talk to you next time.